He's at CTK, uh, where he started and belonged to the youth group in his time with the Spanish and English speaking communities. So that's, that's the formal introduction. That's what he's done. And then a few words about what I think Our Lady wants me to share with you. Um, I think the connection with Our Lady, you know, what it means for me to be the mother of a priest, many people ask me. And I am like out of words. I don't know, some people have said, well, every mother of a priest is like Our Lady. And it gives me goosebumps. And the only way that I can say that it is true is because she was the most humble. And so she's going to be my model of being humble. You know, we don't deserve that gift, to have a son or a daughter who's called to religious life, to consecrated life. Um, but I see the connection with Our Lady in his vocation, in his priesthood. When he, uh, his second brother, and you, you heard I have five children, but um, we had Juan Pablo, who was the first grandchild, first uh, nephew of a big, large family, was the oldest of nine, and he wanted more brothers or sisters, even. So we started praying the rosary. And he would ask me to pray the rosary every day in our commute to AIS with other kids that were not even Catholic. He wasn't ashamed. And so that, and then, Seven years, when he was seven years, I had my second, then third, then fourth, and then past so far four, where I said I better stop praying the rosary. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. But, um, and for those kids, for those children, Juan Pablo was a friend, a hero, a role model. Um, and I remember that when he left to go to the seminary in mid-1998. That was a very, we were very happy for him, but you can imagine, and the other kids were smaller, they were kind of those days that he was leaving. But he said, Mom, I have asked Jesus to take his place with them. So I said, that's a good exchange, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was mid-1998. We moved to Texas, and then our daughter, Anna Maria, was born there in January of 2000. So finally a girl. And, um, and I know that that was also an answer to prayers, and in a way an answer to the sacrifice that of letting our first son go, and for him to have come. I had prayed, um, so the other thing about is I had, prayed so much to Our Lady to allow us as a family to have time with him. It's very hard, especially when they are religious. Um, the first two years, we almost had no contact with him. Um, so every time was, like every phone call, every time we saw him was so precious. He did go to Colombia, where he had over 40 cousins that were younger than he was, and, um, and was such an inspiration for them. He had time to play with each one of them, to listen to what their questions, and this made a big, big impact on all those young people, uh, his brothers and sister and his cousins in Colombia, about ex his excitement to love them and to serve the Lord and put God's will first. 
Um, and now the last, what I said, was a miracle that he's in Atlanta. That this doesn't usually happen with a religious order, that they, they send the, their son or daughter to where their parents are. I think that was like something directly from Our Lady. Um, and it has been great, and the time that he has spent here has been crucial in our family's life. But I'll stop there so that now you can um, listen to Father Juan Pablo speak about Our Lady. Getting married under the authority of you know God, right? 
So he said, well, I want to get married in a church somewhere, but like lowest common denominator, like just, you know, as open as it can be. So they come up to me and they said, hey, can you marry us in like a non-denominational Christian way? And I said, you know, like, that's the one thing I can't do. <laughs> Actually, like, I'm really sorry. You know, rules are rules. If you, want, if you want me to marry you, it has to be a Catholic church. And at that point, she said, well, you know, I've been thinking about this for a while. I, I want to be Catholic. <gasps> and so we both turned to her and like, what? <laughs> Where did this come from? And she said, well, you know, I mean, I've seen, I, you know, really it was thanks to my mom and my parents and our family. She said, I want to have a family like, like your family. My brother was like, he just felt totally out of place, right? He felt betrayed. I was surprised and delighted but confused. And she was holding her ground. So I called Monsignor and I said, hey, Monsignor, you know, can my sister-in-law, she wants to do uh, RCIA, but we're late, you know? And uh, he's like, oh, JP, you know, you take care of it. So we figured that one out. Um, I'm now friends again with Bernadette Flowers. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> we're very close friends. But, you know, so I ended up doing RCIA for my sister-in-law, and then COVID started. So all of a sudden, I had no work, right? Everything was closed, all the appointments were canceled, and I had way more time than I had ever had, really. And so I just did, we did RCIA, and we must have done like 40 hours worth of RCIA. I mean, this is the best RCIA. <laughs> I mean, not the best, but just the most <laughs> intensive RCIA that I've ever seen. Meanwhile, my brother, decided to tag along with the whole RCIA process. Because yeah. he was there and he was like, you know, throwing grenades at the whole conversation. Finally, she turned around and she's like, dude, like, I'm partly doing this for us. I mean, I'm doing this for us, right? Like, what are you, you going to do? Right. So he's like, all right, all right, I'll listen. You know? He's like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to listen, all right? So we called it Waffles and Wisdom. They would cook the waffles and I would provide the wisdom, ideally. <laughs> really, it was just a three-person conversation about the faith. So they would watch videos and then we would argue about it. You know, she would have the typical conversations like, wait, so like, transubs what? You know, like, transubstantiation. Oh, okay, yeah, thanks, you know. And then my brother would have like 20 minutes worth of, you know, <laughs> objections, right? <laughs> At the end of that time, when the moment was coming, uh, and she was going to get confirmed. Monsignor said I could confirm her, which is very nice. The my brother, I remember we were just we were at the house and they got into an argument. So we went for a walk, and he said, uh, he said, well, I can't. I'm not sure if I fully believe. I don't know if I fully believe. And it just the words came to my mind. I said, well, but do you sufficiently believe? And you know, to ask an engineer. If something is sufficiently good, we'll always throw them into a spin, right? Because they want like, like, how do you define sufficiently, right? So it's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. By the end of the day, in a long conversation, he said, okay, I'm in. So we actually said, and he's like, what do I need to do? I said, well, you need to go to confession. That's cool. You're already baptized, you're already Catholic, just go to confession. And he's like, all right, well, who should I go to confession to? I said, well, if you go to this priest, he'll... He'll drill you and ask you a bunch of questions. If you go to this priest, you'll get off easy, you know? <laughs> I, I had the insider trading information on priests. Yeah. <laughs> I said, you choose. Whichever one you feel more comfortable is fine. And he said, well, well what about you? Aww. And I was like, well, we can make it happen, but if it's with me, it has to be official. Not just like here in the basement of our house. So we actually drove to the cathedral. We snuck in. Uh, and, you know, he went to confession. 
was very, very moving. And it was the fulfillment of a promise that our Lord had made when I joined the seminary that he would take my place in the family and that he would take care of my brothers, which is the one thing I asked. I said, if I'm going to join, you have to take care of my family. That's all I asked. So he delivered. So anyway, that's the story about my brother. Aww. So let's say a little prayer, and then we'll talk about the Immaculate Conception. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, send your Spirit into our hearts, that we may know and appreciate the mysteries of your mother, and that we may grow in intimacy with you and with her in our lives. And we entrust ourselves to our Lady, saying, Hail Mary, full of grace, grace the, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. All right, so it's 1.40. And you guys just had a really long homily, beautiful long homily about the Immaculate Conception. So I'm not sure how much you want me to talk. I can give you, like, kind of cliff notes. Yeah? Cliff notes. Definitely I'll give you like cliff notes. Uh, and then maybe like 15 minutes worth of cliff notes and then like five minute questions. Would that work? And we're yes. done by two? Yep. Is that good? Yep. Okay, excellent. So, cliff notes. <laughs> the next Sunday, well, so there were a lot of, a lot of different topics. So next Sunday, I was going to mention that the first words that the angel says to Mary, do you know what those words are? They're translated as Hail Mary, but that word Hail is in Greek the word Hiding. And the word Hiding, do you all know, I know some of you have been studying the Bible for a long time, do you know what the word Hiding means? Hiding. So Hiding means two things. It means greeting, well it's used as a greeting, but it actually means joy. Joy or rejoice. So the very first words of the announcement of the birth of Christ are rejoice. <laughs> rejoice. Our Lord will come. The Messiah is coming. Rejoice. First thing the angel says to Mary, rejoice full of grace. Yeah. So next Sunday is Rejoice Sunday. And it's Gaudete Sunday, which just means rejoice. Be happy. Rejoice. So, anyway, that's the connection between Mary and next Sunday. Even if the gospel for next Sunday doesn't actually deal with Mary, the fourth Sunday will. I thought that was a really interesting connection with Mary and Advent and Rejoice Sunday or Gaudete Sunday. Okay? Now I'm going to talk about the Immaculate Conception and why Mary is so important. So, my mom is here, and uh, I haven't actually talked about this in front of my mom, but the importance of a mother. Yeah? I want to talk about the importance of a mother in the life of a child. Did you know that when a baby, and many of you are moms, maybe some of you are grandmothers, when a baby is born, this baby can already recognize the voice of his or her mother. They've done studies, and the baby will turn to wherever the mother is speaking. Why? What does that mean? There's already a connection. We know there's already a biological connection, obviously. There's already a psychological connection, and therefore an emotional connection between a baby and their mom. From the moment the baby is born, 
modern science tells us when a baby is born, it produces a neurotransmitter called oxytocin in a woman's brain, which is wonderful. It creates bonding. It creates a sense of peace and security with the baby that's born. When a baby is lactating, it produces a bond between the mother and the child. The mom smiles. You know what a baby does when a baby sees his or her mother smiling? Smiles back. It's automatic. Humans are imitative creatures. And a baby will smile when his mother smiles. It's that simple. And as a baby smiles, you know what the mom does? She smiles back. And so the baby smiles even more. And they've done studies that show when a mother's pupils dilate, the baby's pupils dilate. And produces a sense of well-being in the baby and the mother. There is an unbreakable connection between a baby and their mother. Why is this, why am I bringing this up? And then obviously, as the baby develops even more. Luke 2.52, and Cliff notes, so you can look it up later, but it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. So Jesus also developed. Jesus developed. What is, that's kind of wild, right? That Jesus developed. He's the eternal son of God. He's existed forever. And yet in his humanity, he developed. What developed in Jesus? His humanity developed. His heart developed. His sense of humor developed. Jesus' jokes at the age of 30 were better than his jokes at the age of 6. His sensitivity to people developed. His attentiveness developed. His empathy developed. All these things developed in Jesus. And what was the primary formative influence on the development of Jesus' humanity? Mary. That's the mystery. One of those. That's the first mystery of Mary. That Mary is the person who formed more than anyone else the humanity of Christ. And it was the humanity of Christ with which God redeemed us. He touched us. He healed us. He consoled us. He embraced us. He caressed us. He spent time with us. He he ate meals with us. He cried with us, and he suffered for us, and he rose for us in his humanity. So how can we ever thank Mary enough? How can we ever thank her enough for what she did for us, for Christ? That's the idea behind St. Bernard, who famously said, Latin, de Maria Nunquam Satis, which means regarding Mary, you can never be satisfied. What he meant is regarding Mary, you can never say enough. And he went on and on and on and on. Have you ever read his sermons about Mary? So how can we ever thank Mary enough? That's why the church loves the rosary. Hail Mary, full of grace. Did you like that? Say it again. Hail Mary, full of grace. (laughs) A third time, hail Mary, full of grace. 
right? 50 times. Jesus said, when you pray, don't babble like the pagans. We say, yeah, but that doesn't apply to Mary when we pray. Because we're just so happy saying, Hail Mary, full of grace. Pray for us. Pray for us. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Hail Mary, full of grace. Blessed are you, O Mary. That's why the most beautiful churches in the world are dedicated to Mary. That's why Mary is everywhere. That's why there's statues of Mary everywhere. That's why there's an image of Mary there. That's why there's an image of Mary when you go to the church and you look back and there's a stained glass window there and it's Mary holding Jesus on her lap. That's why this stained glass, there's a couple, there's one that's only Mary. One of the whole side windows is only Mary and then I think she's present in almost all the other ones. So that's the first mystery. Next. Fulton Sheen. He says in his Fulton Sheen style, Mary is the most remembered woman and she's the most forgotten She's the most remembered of women because she's everywhere. Stained glass windows, she's appeared on. I think she's the woman that's appeared on the cover of Time most, more than anyone else. Yeah. And all these statistics, right? Mary appears everywhere, Mary appears everywhere. Right. It's the most remembered of women, right? She's also the most forgotten of women. Why is she the most forgotten of women? Because she's the only woman that has completely forgotten herself. So that's the second mystery of Mary. The second mystery of Mary is that she is completely transparent to the work of God. There's different images. I don't know if you guys remember those. There was like a toy in the 80s. I think it came back recently because, you know, everything comes back. But it was like metal spokes that you could put your hand in. And then you looked at the other side and your hand had made an impression. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you could even do it on your face. You could like put it on your face and then you look at the other side and you could see your face kind of carved out in like metal, you know, a metal design. That's how I imagine Mary. Yeah. Mary is that metal block and the Holy Spirit just impresses himself on Mary. So that when you see Mary, it's like, am I seeing Mary or am I seeing the Holy Spirit? I'm actually not sure which of the two. It's like a glove. Imagine a glove in the hand. What's moving? Is the hand moving or is the glove moving? I don't know. Both. Mary is like that. So much so. This is really interesting. Colonel Ratzinger talks about this in his book. He has a book called um, Daughter of Zion. And he points out, he says, if you look at the Old Testament, there's a bunch of texts about wisdom that apply both to the Holy Spirit and to Mary. And the church will use it in masses dedicated to Mary. They'll use these texts from wisdom. And in masses dedicated to the Holy Spirit, they'll use the same texts from wisdom. Cliff notes, so we're not going to read them, but if you want to look them up, you can email me. <laughs> but I promise you they're there. Have you done the 33-day consecration to uh, morning glory? Is that what it's called? 33 yes. days to morning glory? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a really weird chapter in there when it's talking about St. Maximilian Kolbe. Mm. Yes. It's really weird, right? And it says, Maximilian Kolbe used to refer to Mary as the Immaculate Conception, the created Immaculate Conception, and refers to the Holy Spirit as the uncreated Immaculate Conception. Right? Most people, when they read that, they're like, what? And they just kind of skip to the next one, right? It's actually, this is what St. Maximilian is referring to. 
the, the identity of Mary, she's so pure. What does purity doesn't mean like perfect marble statue, you know? That every day you go and you wipe off the dust. You know, I remember a friend of mine when I told him I'd hear confessions at the seminary. He's like, oh, it must be like wiping dust off the wings of angels, you know? It's like, yeah, right. <laughs> go work in the seminary and then tell me that, you know? So purity doesn't mean like distance, you know? Purity means total transparency to God. Total transparency to God. It means allowing God to do in you whatever he wants. Sending you wherever he wants to send you. Telling you when to speak, when to not speak, when to turn to the right, when to turn to the left. That was Mary. And the immaculate conception is that the reason why she was totally transparent to the Holy Spirit is because she had been preserved from the one thing that makes us resist the Holy Spirit. And that is a three-letter word, sin. 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 And by the goodness of God, he said, uh-uh, you're not going to touch my mom. And he preserved her of the tendency to sin that we all have, the effects of Adam and Eve. You can say, well, isn't that unfair? Maybe. Right? Uh, does that mean she was never tempted? No. She was tempted just like Eve was tempted. Eve also didn't have original sin. Adam didn't have original sin. So Mary was preserved from, the temp- from that fallenness. And then together with grace, she always chose to follow the promptings of That's the mystery of the Immaculate Conception. God did that so that Christ would be formed according to his plans, perfectly according to his plans. And he did that so that we would have Mary as our mother. And that's the third mystery of Mary. That's the first mystery of Mary. She formed Jesus. The second mystery of Mary, she's completely sinless and transparent to grace. And the third mystery that she is our mother. So, we all have the right to turn to Mary as our mom. Every single one of us. Yeah. Uh, and I could, we, I could tell you just stories. Yeah, the first one, my mom said, by the way, when I had the two kids on the way to the Atlanta National School, when those kids were praying the rosary, I just, I, at that age, I assumed everybody was Catholic, right? So I didn't, I didn't think I was doing anything weird. Uh, later, my mom's like, you know, some people, they, they go to, they pray on Sundays at their home, you know? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's weird. Can we do that? <laughs> no, we go to church. Uh, so, anyway, but, you know, we all have the right to ask Mary to be our mother. In the sublime things and in the simple things. And I remember when I was in the seminary, I would often get into uh, discussions with other seminarians. And I remember every night we'd go to the statue of Mary where her hands were like this. And I would say, Mom, I just, the relationship between me and this other guy, just hold it in your hands. I would like imaginatively stick a little, you know, stick the relationship there between your hands. And just all the prayer intentions I had, I would like, just with my imagination, kind of put it there between your hands. And I'd say, while I'm sleeping, you figure this out, you know? And actually, later reflecting, some of the guys that I was most, we most butted heads have become my lifelong friends. But you can apply that to, I mean, we all have the right 
from Mary to Mary. Yeah, our apostolate, our family life, our faith life, our consolation, our health. We all have the right to ask Mary. Yeah. All right, well, that was 15 minutes. So this is the three mysteries of Mary. Uh, we have five minutes for questions or comments. If anyone has a comment or an experience of Mary in your life that you'd like to share, yeah. Can I ask outside of the Mary discussions? Sure. Sure. Did you ever get frustrated with your brother? <laughs> uh, How did you yes. get through that? Did you do the praying to Mary? To I did a lot of praying to Mary. And uh, I guess very early on, I, I realized that he is very smart, but he was arguing from a place of emotional hurt. And so that allowed me, I think, to feel a certain compassion and to want to walk. So yeah, when I wanted to strangle him, I was like, you know, breathe, relax, you know, take a step back. Okay, re-engage the following day. You didn't ever feel like, I'm asking because I'm having an yeah. issue with my brother, but did you ever just feel attacked where you had to just say, okay, I gotta think about this for a minute or two before yeah. I connect? Yeah, there were times when uh, he made some really interesting points. I had to go back and research, and I read, I read all these things like, how do I argue against this? I never thought about it. And he's definitely smarter than me, so it was like things I'd never, yeah. you know, problems I'd never discovered. Right. Yeah. Yes? Is there any material that would lay out the vision of Mary you just created? Yes. The closest thing, well, to, I'll tell you my two favorite Marian books. One is called The Read of God by Carol Houslander. There it is, The Read of God. Oh, I just showed it in my Bible study this morning. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yep. That one, actually, that book right there is my favorite Marian book. Oh. Say and it again. The Read, so like a, it's a musical read. Oh. Like a musical read, The Read of God. Yeah. And the idea there is, this idea of Mary being empty, so that, but not empty like an empty cave, but empty like an empty instrument that's empty of air, so that God can go and play whatever tune he wants. That's why it's the read of God. And if you want something a little bit more theological, Colonel Ratzinger wrote a book, or it's a compilation of articles, called Daughter Zion. It's definitely more theological. So. You know, it's not an easy read, but if you want to go deeper into the theology of Mary, Daughter Zion is very good. Thank you. Yes? Um, I was interested in, you were talking about books of wisdom, mm. um, and with the relationship between the Holy Spirit and Mary. Yes. Yeah. So, for example... I'd love to have your email. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, well, Kristen has it, so because if I dictate it now, it might be confusing. But or unless you want to send Kristen, yeah, um, sure, I'm, ha I'm happy to do that. So the Book of Wisdom has several places where, in talking about wisdom, wisdom is presented almost as God, almost divine, right? So like from the beginning, wisdom was at your side, creating the world with you. And so when 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 the Jews read it, it's like, oh well, wisdom must be this great thing that God wants to give us, right? But when the fathers of the church read it, they said, aha, look, already the Trinity is present in the Old Testament. Yeah, or for example, uh, it says the, 
the, like the joy of wisdom is to be among the sons of men. Right? It's like, well, if wisdom is just like an attribute or wisdom is a series of books or wisdom is a series of teachings, why does wisdom rejoice at being with the sons of men? Yeah, sons, sons and daughters, just the, the children of men. Yeah. So the fathers of the church read into that and they, they saw the Trinity present in wisdom, wisdom. And so they weren't sure, well, does wisdom refer to the Son, to Jesus? Does wisdom refer to the Holy Spirit? What does wisdom refer to? And then as the church began to develop, they began to see that uh, in Hebrew, the word for spirit is ruah. Yeah, R-U-A-H, or whatever equivalents in Hebrew. Ruah, and ruah is feminine. And also in Greek, neuma is spirit, and neuma is also a feminine word. And so they were wondering, well, why is there this feminine dimension within the Trinity? Which there is, right? Because God is neither male nor female. That could be a whole other topic, right? Jesus obviously is male, right? But, yeah. So, and so they began to say, all right, well, there's some connection between the spirit and the, uh, like, generative, embracing dimension of God. And the one who lived that dimension out the most is the blessed one. And the one who incorporates wisdom in her life, almost to the point where she is wisdom walking, is the blessed one. And so in the liturgy, when they began to write the masses and choose the readings for the different masses and write the collects and everything else, they took those texts and applied them to Mary. And in the church, there's an ancient saying, which is lex orandi, lex credendi. You might have heard that somewhere. It just means the law of our prayer is the law of our belief. Which means, tell me how you pray, and I'll tell you what you believe. Yeah? If I say in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I believe in the Trinity. I don't need to be able to explain the dogma of the Trinity. Yeah? If I celebrate the Eucharist, it means I believe Christ is there. Right? Yeah. So, this law of prayer tells us this is what we believe. Yeah, but in Daughter Zion, Cardinal Ratzinger goes into that and just mines that deliciously. Great. Paul, well, you want to end with a prayer? Yes. Right. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, thank you for the year of St. Joseph that you've given to your church through our Holy Father. Thank you for all the graces, the protection, the inspiration. Thank you for the gift of this solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, Lord, for revealing this to us, to your church, and strengthening our faith and our desire to serve you and to love you in imitation of the Blessed Mother. Thank you, Lord, for this encounter, for this prayer group, for this study. Thank you for each of the women that are here present. Thank you for the presence of my own mother. Thank you for allowing me to speak. Thank you for the graces that you have poured into each of our hearts. And we trust ourselves today again, O Lord, to her she who was always at your side, who marks the way for us, and whom you gave to be our mother from the cross. We pray that through her intercession, the Holy Spirit may come down upon your entire church once again.
come over this parish community, this cathedral, over her priests, her faithful, her deacons, her apostolates, her mission to the poor and the needy, her couples, her babies that are receiving baptism, over your entire church. And together we can pray, Hail Mary. Glorious, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, Paul. Can I need a quick pitch for something? Yes, you may. Super fast pitch. Fastball. Super fast pitch. So my mom actually, knowing that I was becoming a priest, and knowing what human material I was made out of, and realizing, it's like, you think all priests are great until you actually meet one, right? They're like, they need a lot of help, right? So my mom started this apostolate to pray for priests. So if you're interested, it's called the El Singulo in Espanol which just means the cincture, which is the, what priests wear when they're vesting for mass. And really, it's an opportunity to consecrate yourself to Mary and to pray for priests. So if you're interested in that, you can talk to my mom, and you will end up praying for a priest. Thank Pretty you. <laughs> Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, ladies. Thank you so much. And by the way, Marta, thank you so much for being here. This, ladies, we are, uh, had a, are having a mass set for Marta and her ministry on January the 12th, which is a week before. January 26th. Tw yeah, two weeks before, actually, yeah. Uh, yeah. Marta is going to come back on the 26th yeah. and speak to us and tell us in more detail about the ministry and how we can get involved. So we can look forward to that. Also, ladies, um, a quick uh, program note. Next week was going to be our last meeting, but we um, realized a lot of you are going to be leaving town already and things like that, so we decided to make it off-campus lunches next week. I'll put all of those details in the plot note for you, but today is actually our last official meeting. So, love to all of you. I'm so happy that this format seemed to work out so well. Um, we're gonna keep on going in the spring. Um, let's see if there's anything else I need to tell you. Uh, c contact me though if you have any other uh, ideas for speakers or formats or future Bible studies for 22 and 23 and 23 and beyond, 24 and beyond. Um, so, and again, thank you so much to Father Duran and to, to Marta for being here. Thank you. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you, Christian. This was beautiful. Yes, of course. Thank you.